You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders, it's Don Harkey here from the People-Centric Team. So excited to be back with you in this podcast episode. I've missed a few episodes, you guys. This has been sad. I feel that, have you missed me? Have you? I mean, we continue to do podcasts while you guys are on the road. Yes, that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt and I have been on the road a I've lot, been. but the podcast episodes seem to continue. They do. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. How are the ratings? Are the ratings holding or are the ratings? Yeah, no, know, it's still remember. going strong. Really good. Wow. Yeah. It's True. almost like the podcast doesn't necessarily need you. Wow. <laughs> wow. So today's well, topic is how to motivate your team uh, from Diana. <laughs> and you start by crushing your we, spirit. That's we what... like having you, but the show must go on, you know? Okay. All right. Well, the show must go on. And Diana asked me to share a story from on the road. So we were on the road and we were doing, We, by the way, this is the time of year. Matt and I are doing a lot of conferences uh, sometimes Diana goes to conferences, sometimes Stephanie goes to conferences. We've had different stuff, but Matt and I do most of the conferences and we're out speaking at conferences at places. And we've been to Idaho and Iowa and Arkansas and all kinds of crazy places uh, the last few weeks. And it's nice to be back in Springfield for a little bit here, getting a little bit of rest and relaxation before going back out. But at one of the conferences, one of the managers was talking about this concept of entitlement versus empowerment. And what the story that he shared was that he has a worker at the place that he works who is, he works for him and they don't talk a lot, but every time they talk, this employee seems to bring up, you don't recognize me enough. You should bring donuts. And specifically keeps bringing up the donuts thing. You need to bring me donuts, bring me donuts. I heard my other, my friend's boss brings us donuts. You should bring donuts every day to recognize us. Donuts, 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 donuts. So he's getting tired of hearing the same person ask about donuts all the time. And he just kind of laughs it off sometimes and says, well, sometimes we get donuts and not every day we get donuts and trying to figure out how to deal with all of this. And finally, he, he gets a candy bar and gives this person a candy bar, leaves it on her desk and says, here's a candy bar for you. Uh, appreciate what you do along with a little note. And the next day, She said, hey, thanks for the candy bar, but isn't our company big enough that you could afford a full-size candy bar instead of one of these mini candy bars? And she actually brought that up. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The awkward thing is, no, the company's not doing well enough to afford. Who can afford full-size bars? We're not the rich, you know, the rich subdivision in your neighborhood on Halloween, like. Yeah. No, we can't give everyone full-size candy bars. Also, shout out to Arkansas MGMA for uh, providing full-size candy bars on the snack snack shelf there. Good job, yeah, team, Arkansas. <laughs> full-size candy bars. I felt appreciated. Yeah. At a conference, yeah. So that's the message here is give your employees full-size bars. That's the idea. No, no, no. It's not about the donuts. It's not about the candy bars. It's not about what size they are. But the manager was left feeling really, really bad because he said that he has this employee who's communicating really, but saying, you need to give me more things. 
instead of saying, what can I do to help the company? And it feels like this word entitlement, right? What's this word entitlement? But we're always talking, and his question to us was, but you're always talking about this idea of empowerment and trying to give your employees more stuff and recognition and the power of all that stuff. But what if they expect it from you? Not only do they expect it, but beyond expect it, if they're entitled to it, then it's beyond an expectation. It's a, that's just the air around me. You're supposed to do these things and they don't even seem to appreciate it, right? So where's the line between empowerment and entitlement? That's what we're going to talk about today is when does empowerment become entitlement? We'll talk a little bit just because I think it's related to this topic, a little bit about generations at work because we're hearing a lot of folks who are complaining about the generation coming in. There are lots of stories about interesting interviews uh, things that happen. I just saw one on social media. On, it was actually on LinkedIn of a guy who was doing an interview. And I, I know that it was it's on social media. So he recorded it, but it's a, with an HR person. The guy's driving through a drive through uh, while interviewing. Yeah, he's literally going through the drive through and he's trying to order a fish sandwich and also do the interview at the same time. And she's like, you're in a drive through. He's like, no, I'm not. And they just keep going back and forth. <laughs> It's pretty funny if you catch it on LinkedIn. I, it's, I'm oh, sure that, that's good. You know, yeah. I'm assuming that's not real, but there are some stories like that, are, that are real. So we've got Diana Royalty from our team who has been, uh, who is the most entitled person I know, probably. It's totally. true. Yeah. Glad you said that. You know, demand everything. This is really just an intervention again for Diana. That's what we, this whole podcast, 150 something episodes. So shows you how successful that's been going. Uh, and then- and we also have Matt Griswold from our team who's fresh off the road with me, whose face I am just absolutely sick of because we spent a lot of time together, but still love you, Matt. Thank you. I'm not entitled at all. See no. the line there? Oh my I gosh. Super entitled. Matt. Entitled. Remind <laughs> me that you're not super entitled if I ever book you at a best Western ever again. <laughs> you know, this isn't a podcast about right and wrong. That's right and wrong. Uh, not entitled. <laughs> Not entirely. Noted. Noted. Also, shout out to our friends at Best Western. Uh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. Matt was not pleased with the accommodations that we had at this particular one. It was not great. It was the location. It was, I had to make sure, I, I had to go in my room last just to make sure that Diana's key worked all the time because sometimes you'd yeah. be stranded in the hallway because the key wouldn't work. And it was just, it was that type of thing over. And I was also frustrated because it was 10 blocks away from where we were supposed to be working and Diana refused to Uber and wanted to walk all the time, even though she has generally no, no idea which direction she should be going. Uh, she's relying on you to do that, but uh, walk to the office and back one of those times with luggage in tow. If you wanted to know what it's like to travel with Diana and dragging your suitcase 10 blocks to the whatever. This does sound suspiciously like entitlement to me. So let's find out where the line is. Let's start off with that. Uh, so if we think about empowerment and entitlement, what's the difference between those two things? What's the definition of entitlement? You, you want to make one up or are you, are you looking for it? Yeah, no, no, no. I don't want to look it up. Like, like what, I, what I, entitlement I also want to be, I also want to be careful uh, not to paint donuts in a bad light because I also like donuts. And I think, you know, you can, your, your, your office donut can be whatever, can be whatever, maybe a gift that card. Tacos. Just, you yeah. know. Yeah, that we're just, I mean, donuts are getting a bad rap here just because they're used here. Donuts are good. We could use, uh, you know, some donuts from time to time um, uh, as well. That's not the, that's not the thing that makes them entitled. I, I think the entitlement comes from the expectation of if you do or if you do not. 
right? Uh, that that feels like you should do and you should not do um, those types of things. To me, I think whenever the the attitude gets to that place, I think we're in, in, you know encroaching on the idea of entitlement uh, there too. Yeah. To me, entitlement and empowerment are two different things, two different words altogether. And so I'm a words person. I'm having trouble uh, putting those things in mind. I understand why you're asking the question, but they seem very, very far from each other um, as well. Diane, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, you're good. I love the word you used attitude. Cause I do think there's some of that. I think when people think of entitlement, it's not what they're asking for. It's how they're asking for it. Ooh, I like that. How they're asking. So what does it look like if you're asking for it and you're entitled? Yeah, that's a good question. I, better, I, be some, better be some donuts. It better be some right? donuts. What's like, wrong with you? Yeah. Or, or the, I mean, when that person said, can the company not afford a full-size candy bar that feels like you're not appreciating anything that you are getting and that that hurts that hurts when people like go out of the way to do something and then someone's ungrateful for it you know wrinkles on these things right that's probably a yeah yeah not unless your performance is up to par sprinkles are for winners right that's what um but (laughs) to me to, to, to me, uh, you know, you talk about the attitude. What does the attitude of entitlement look like? I think it's almost the expectation or the attitude of demanding that thing. But to me, I'm going to go deep. I'm going to go deep here. I don't know if we have a lot, enough time for this, but uh, the donuts, the donuts, it's not about the donuts at all, right? There's something else deeper that's going on there in that relationship or that person's attitude that now because of the donuts, it's an amplified thing. But there was something already probably wrong with that person out don to your and i don't know if you said this part of the story but the thing you let off with in the story was i don't know she works for me uh, but i don't really interact with her a whole lot now we're probably getting into (laughs) probably getting into the reason why the donuts are such a big deal remember my name i also work here and i want donuts you're doing everything for everybody else around here i'm not i don't get anything um now it's about the donuts whenever it wasn't really ever about the donuts does that make sense yeah. So you're kind of hinting on like, why are somebody, why did somebody get entitled? Where did they get, where does the entitlement come from? Um, let's talk a little bit about, so let's dive into that a little bit here in a minute, but let's start with talking about the generation coming into the workforce. Um, because I, we're hearing a ton about that as we're on the road. Uh, I have heard managers all the way to like, let's just punt, like, forget it. Let's just not hire anybody from the current generation. I don't want any Gen Z's coming out. It's going to be hard. That, that's going to, you're going to be waiting for a while. You're going to be yeah, waiting yeah. with the boomers retiring or the numbers are not in your favor. If you decide not to hire any Gen Z's that are coming into the workforce. Um, but what does that, I mean, do we have a whole generation of people that are worthless at work and entitled is what's happening here? Oh man. Uh, I, I don't, we don't know what's happening here yet. I think there's a lot of things happening here, but I um, I recently read an article that said that Gen Z and millennials are looking for more than just work. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for feeling like a part of being there. They're looking to feel like they're a part of something bigger. They're willing to sacrifice um some money and some benefits for a better work-life balance. And so they're kind of looking for something that maybe the generations before them weren't looking for and weren't trying to find as well, or were they're willing to do a little bit different things to get what they want out of life. 
And so I think it's just a different, it's a such a different mindset from the Gen Xers and the boomers, you know? Yeah. My mom was talking about somebody that she knows who is a physical therapist who leads an exercise class that she's taking right now, who she really likes. And she says she's 25 years old. She owns her own house. She owns a second house that she is Airbnb. Uh, and she started like a, her own classes on something else that she does. And she talked about how she's just, she's like, I haven't seen somebody that age have all of these different, like, and they're called gigs, right? It's we're And this whole generation that's out there now has a lot of gigs. They're driving Ubers, they're doing Airbnbs, they have side businesses, they're side hustles. It's very, very common that's out there. And I think a lot of that is going back to what you said, Diana, is that as a generation, those last two generations are really looking for purpose. You think about what's happened from generation to generation. First of all, every generation complains about the generation after it. Like that's pretty common. Usually two after it is the one that they complain the most about. Like it's the, if you think about it. And and there's a book called The Fourth Turning. There's another book called um, uh, The Pendulum that talks about how there's a four generation cycle that happens. Uh, and those four, you know, the, the, so it's an over adjustment of each generation. So like they talk about from a generational standpoint, like how you parent, for example. So like my parents, when it was time to play, like in the morning, in the summertime, it was, you eat breakfast and then you are kicked out of the house and we would go anywhere. We could wander the neighborhood. We could go play in the Creek, do all these things, you know, whatever we wanted to do. And then, you know, two hours after dark, it was time to come back. We had to be back by the time the streetlights came on. That was the rule. That when was, the streetlights come on, you can come home. You have to come home. Yeah. And I'm exaggerating a little bit. I think we also had to come back. Like when it started to get dark, get come back here. And that's when we need you to come back in. But it was very, very much free. And now, like when we raise our kids, it's like, okay, the door, the windows are open. You want to hear them stay within earshot. So I know where you are. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of overcompensation that we make from generation to generation. And if you think about it at work, like the boomers, they took their jobs thinking, well, I'm going to have this job for life. Like they thought they they saw their parents all had jobs for life. Like you pick a career, you pick a trade and you stay in that trade for your entire life. The boomers then came into the jobs and they started getting messed over by some of those companies that they didn't pay the pensions or they laid them off or they moved them out. So then Gen Xers saw that and said, well, I don't need to be loyal to a company. So loyalty went away. So Gen Xers could jump around from company to company. Millennials took it to a level even beyond that and said, well, geez, if you can move companies around, then I'm going to find companies that use me fully. And then Gen Zs took it even one step even further than that and said, not only are they using me, but they have some kind of a cause that I'm behind. Like, I really want to be behind something. I sat next to a young kid on the plane uh, coming back here last week who told me that he had started a business uh, doing giving carbon credits for people who stay in hotels. Um, I mean, just, it's very, very cause-based. Like, that's what I want to find. And he told me, I said, how did that work? And he goes, oh, it was terrible. Business crashed in like six months and we lost a bunch of money. And I'm like, so, but it was a cause-based idea. And he's like, I want to find something else that's caused-based to find. So you're right. There is something right now with the Gen Zs that are, they're coming in and they want to find some kind of a cause to do something. But at the same time, are they entitled and will Gen Z's work? Like, will they, will they do good work? What are we seeing out there? I think the answer is yes, but I'll get back to that in a second. I also wanted to add that like the workforce is such that we need people. The boomers are retiring at a rate that is higher than people coming into the workforce. So like 
we need people. We, we need the young workforce to come in. So it's sort of like the Gen Z's come in and know that you need them. There's no, there's no excess. There's no other people you can go just get like Gen Z sort of knows that we need these guys. They know that we need them. So that the market, might, the market's in your favor there. If you're a Gen yeah. Z, the workforce, right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. It's the it. workers market, not an employer's market. Right. I think about it like I bought a new car recently. And so you go in to buy the new car and it is very different than it was five years ago. The dealers don't have many cars to sell you and they don't really care if they sell you a car because they don't have that many cars to sell you. The supply, it's, it's, it's in the, the market's in their favor and they do not deal at all. Like it's, in fact, they increase the price from like the sticker price even like, okay, well, they're going to do this, but you also, and you have to pay this upfront. And I don't even know where we're going to deliver the car for you. And you go in and it feels different. Like the interaction, instead of them saying, hey, can I get you coffee and have a seat and how's the family and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's a short interaction from their standpoint. Like the attitude is different and you can feel it. I think that's a great point, Diana, is the market has switched. And then whenever we went to then sell, I went to sell my used car back to them. Then the power completely shifted around because now it's, wait, you don't have, you need used cars to sell. You don't have used cars to sell. Now I have the car to sell. Now here's what I want for it. And I can make my demands. And then they put out their offer for it. And I increased it by a lot. And then they hit that offer like pretty quickly. So you're right. There is something that's going to be said because the millennial or the, the boomers are leaving at a rate of 10,000 per day in the United States. So we need, we need new workers. We need workers. Yeah. But back to your question about will Gen Z work? <laughs> will they work? I think I think every generation has the same baseline of wants to do a good job. I think every every human wants to go to work and do a good job. It's just that what that looks like is different for these different generations. Yeah, I think they're defining things differently, right? They're defining they're, they're Gen Z is defining what work looks like differently than boomers or gen x's maybe or what what they would define work as to look like same thing with the title the, the buzzword that we started talking about here with this idea of entitlement i think i think the gen z people would say that's not entitlement like that that should be an expectation like that's that's the baseline of how you're supposed to operate that's not entitlement might have been entitlement for your generation but it's not entitlement as far as what we're concerned. And you know why? Maybe it's not entitlement. And I'm just speaking for them right now. I'm thinking out loud. Maybe the reason why it's not called that's not entitlement is because I can either get that here or somebody else will give it to me. I can go somewhere else and get it. Like it's a baseline expectation. Maybe that don't, if you're going to use donuts, like they said, I have several coworkers that they go in and it's not just donuts they have an omelet station or you know whatever that looks like right the, whatever whatever that looks like it's now an expectation that's not entitlement this is just how you're supposed to treat people um, and so i think that you know that's not me talking i think that's how we're defining terms maybe differently uh from generation to generation they're not the the gen z's goal is not to find a job to buckle down to work for 35 years i'm going to do what what maybe feels right right now and this might not be the only thing which is where the older generation might go what do you mean not the only thing there's no sense of loyalty there's no sense of of a team there's no sense of unity no no no, no. like i am i am loyal that's why i work there yeah but you you work also elsewhere right why wouldn't you do that? I have other opportunities. That doesn't mean I'm not loyal. I'm here, aren't I? And so I anyway, I think you could probably go down that down that path quite a bit, but I think it's the 
of the difference of how the different generations are defining what those terms even mean in the first place. I think that's a great insight. When you think about like the car dealership example, right? How is it okay for the car dealership to say like, we don't have any cars and you have to pay more. Is it okay for them to say that? Yeah. I mean, that's how capitalism works, right? Like that's right. just, yeah, that, that's how it works. Yeah. That's how capitalism works. Is at the end of the day. Fair or nice or humanitarian? Probably not. Definitely not. Like, yeah. It's the same. It's the same. You know, we talk about this quite a bit with with employees upset at ownership. I think this is something that you would see different than the older generations are going. I mean, they're the boss, right? The younger generation is going. My goal is to change the bosses how they operate, and that's okay. Calm down. Calm down. You do have a choice whether you want to work there or not. They have a choice of how they want to manage you. Yeah. But you also it doesn't mean you're handcuffed. You also have a choice on whether you choose to work there or not. Um, you can choose to go work. You can choose to go work at that place that has donuts every day. Um, it is not. I think that I think the coaching piece for that for some of those folks that maybe have that mentality is um, it's not up to you to change the entire mindset of the executive team or leadership or whatever that looks like. It is up to you whether you choose to work there or not. Um, that that is that is your choice. And how do you want to impact? How do you want to impact the organization in that way? Um, so they, they do have some choice. And and since because these people, these gen- younger generations are so mission driven, I think that's why it's super important to have the clear mission and get them aligned with that and kind of say, yeah, we are a consulting firm, but really we want people at the center of every organization. We want people to be to come first. Right. That's our that's our vision. We want to build healthy organizations where people are aligned and empowered. That's our mission. So at the end of the day, we're not just a consulting firm. It's not just about that. It is about something bigger. And when we can get those people, those younger generations to say, yeah, that's the mission I want to be a part of, then I think they're going to work really hard towards that mission. And Don, you talk a lot about how that alignment can either create empowerment or uh, uh, entitlement. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So when we talk about people centric, I think you've heard us talk about this a lot. It's a balance between empowerment and alignment, right? And empowerment is the act of a person making themselves more powerful, right? I'm empowering myself. It's not from somebody else. A lot of times we talk about managers empowering other people, but that's not really how humans work. We really empower ourselves. Uh, so if I'm in a job and I'm trying to learn more skills in that job, I'm empowering myself. If I am in voicing my opinions on things that are happening outside, I'm making myself more powerful. I'm 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 empowering myself. I'm making myself more powerful. The alignment piece is when you make the people around you more powerful. That is a different piece. And it's trying to work with the team. It's helping the company. It's aligning with what other people's other people need. Uh, really, really healthy teams have a balance between those two things, right? There's empowerment and there's alignment, and those two things are in balance with each other. If empowerment is dialed up too high and alignment is too low, and it's all about the person, then you get, sometimes we call it person-centric instead of people-centric. It's about the individuals, and it's not about what the team needs. And then that leads to entitlement. That's when people say, it's all about me, not about the organization. It's all about what I need, not what the people around me need. That's not good for the individual or the team. A lot of times we think, well, it's obviously not good for the team, but it's also not good for the individual. 
because you have to think about as a leader, how if to be an influential leader, you have to think about how do you influence other people? And if you're only thinking about the impact on yourself, you're not going to be very influential at the end of the day. If you're demanding donuts from your boss, the, 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 the basic idea of this, if you take a step back, 10 steps back from this as an employee, that's a really dumb decision to make. You are making your boss not listen to you. You are ruining your credibility. When you have other significant ideas to bring to the word, you are going to be a lot less likely to be heard if you are daily demanding donuts from your boss and complaining about the little things that your boss does. That is poor leadership. It's poor influence. And that is leading the team the wrong direction. That's anti-alignment. That's actually a form of toxicity. Uh, that we talk about. So it's not good for you as an individual. But I like the point that we have of the alignment piece. If you're the manager on the other side of that equation, you know, we've heard people say this generation is terribly entitled and out of control. And we'll say like, give me an example. And it's like, well, like when you go to interview them in interviews, they interview you back. And I would say that's pretty healthy. Like that's good. That is good. And that's what we've been telling people to do for years. And now people are doing it. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, we don't like that. I don't like when you're asking Ask me us questions. questions. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you learn more from the questions we talk about when we interview people all the time. You learn more from the questions they ask you than you do about the questions that you ask them a lot of times. Uh, you get to hear where their mind's at. Uh, so I'm a little bit be careful about saying like, oh, yes, this entire generation is entitled. But if I hear somebody say that to me, the problem is, is that it's very unempowering for the manager because you're giving up any power that you have and just saying, well, this whole generation is, is out. Uh, we can't do anything with it. We've seen a lot of Gen Z's who will work their butts off if they believe in what they're doing. Um, another good example that came up a lot, Diana, I think you, you've probably seen some of this because you we, we work with some of our clients to help them hire folks too. And we'll see that in the recruiting process. But you're seeing candidates who are for pretty good jobs who will get through like the first interview and then they'll ghost the employer. Like they won't say, oh, I picked another job or I don't want this. They'll just not show for interviews or they won't call and say, hey, I took another job. Like they're just out there and then they just they, they make their own decision. They go their own way. I made the point in Arkansas uh, that said, you know, we hate that employees are doing that on a large scale, but five, 10 years ago, employers were doing that to employees on a large scale. Like, oh, well, we've already picked our candidate and not letting candidates know that they've been picked. You know, well, no news is bad news from us. I'm not going to tell you if we called. So I feel like there's a little bit of a revenge aspect happening here. Um, so I guess the question is, as the employer, what can you learn from this? Like, what's the perspective that you should have? What's the people-centric perspective on this idea of entitlement? I think I think the the baseline maybe to start, especially from your example here, is I need to get, engage them early um, in the process to be able to create some of the buy-in. I know Diana echoed that uh, as well with the vision, the mission, where do they fit in, try to create that engaged employee from the beginning. And so they understand why we're asking them to do the things that we're asking them to do. With the, the flaw in your story sounds like there was uh, very little communication with that employee initially. So they felt like they were kind of on the outside looking in. And if employees feel like they're on the outside looking in, they're going to ask for, in your mind, ridiculous things. Why would they ask for those disjointed things? It's not even what we're trying to accomplish around here. Well, maybe they don't feel like they're a part of that. You need to bring them along for the ride and you can start that earlier um, in the relationship too, even from you know the hiring and onboarding process as well. Yeah. So we call that the donut hole. If you don't give them something else to talk about, 
they start talking about donuts, right? If we have no other purpose. Now we do. Now we call it the donut hole. Now we little... call it the donut hole. Yeah. I'm floating that out. That was a new idea. I said, by, I gazed by both reactions that you all like that. You like that okay. response. Okay. It's a donut yeah. hole. I like it. Diana, yeah. And I would also say, like, keep, that was good. keep reminding people the why, right? Matt, you said, tell them the why they're doing what they're doing. You have to, you, that doesn't go away. Even though someone's worked there for a year, two years, and they seem fine, it might be nice for them to still hear how they fit in, how they're making an impact and why you're giving them the stuff you're giving them. I, I work, I've worked here for 10 years and I still like it when Don's like, Hey, I know I gave you this thing and it probably seems really menial and it's super easy for you to do, but I gave it to you because of this. Like, I like hearing that stuff. I like to know that I still have a purpose here. I still am part of something bigger. And I think I'm not Gen Z. I'm I'm not even close to Gen Z, but I still think all humans love the, love the introspection and the, um, the feedback. Everyone loves that. Yeah, you have to create the odd yeah, Matt was said no, not even close to yeah, Gen Z is way far back in your review mirror. <laughs> well, well past that. Thank you. That was nice, well, Matt. That was nice. Well, yeah. I, I, I think that line we talked about even like when you're onboarding employees, like we were at the conference, we were as a medical conference, we we're talking about like front desk employees, for example. And front desk employees, a lot of times when they're trained at a clinic. They're trained, okay, you're going to sit here and you're going to collect the name and you talk about all the what's of what you do. But if you took a step back, what if it looked like this and you said, hey, by the way, you have one of the most important jobs in the clinic. I know everybody focuses on the nurses and the doctors and the people who do the healthcare. That's really, really important. But what you do is you keep us running because what you do is you collect the right information that sets them up for success in the room. And then on the way, and then also when they come out, you also make sure that you collect the money that keeps us all employed here. So if you do that correctly and you make the right choices on that, it has a huge impact on the clinic. If you do it incorrectly, it has a huge impact on the clinic. And this is why we picked you to do this, because when we interviewed you, we saw this experience that you had that we led us to believe that you're going to make the right choices. And then when we talked to you, we found that you have the personality that says you're also going to do it in the right way. That's going to help our people and help those teams. It's a simple kind of conversation to have, but man, we, as, as bosses, as managers, we need to constantly be drawing that line of sight for folks. Um, so what about on the other side? What about on the employee side? What if you're sitting there going like, I don't get donuts and I could use some appreciation. I do have more ideas and the company's not using me here. What's our advice for them? Well, I think I'm going to echo what Matt said is it's not really about the donuts and you need to, you need to reflect on what you're really asking for. I love how earlier you said, if you're asking for donuts every day, you're depleting your influence. And I think what that person probably was asking for is more time, more recognition, more feedback. Um, and I, I think if they looked at it, took a step back and said, man, is this really about donuts or is this about feedback and recognition, which I think it is, um, maybe they could ask in a better way and get really what they want and what they need and feel better about working there every day. Yeah, you might have a candid conversation and say, you might win the donut war but you are going to lose in the long run here, right? Even, even if you're making demands of that, and then donuts show up, like what's next? Like what what's next does that look like? And I think you have a candid conversation about the influence that you're having on the people around you. Uh, and you might even talk about, is this really about donuts? 
Uh, donuts aren't expensive. Donuts and it's an easy lift. I I could I could bring donuts, and sometimes and maybe I'm different than some people. I might say, but you're making the more you talk about it, makes me not want to bring donuts even more. Like that's the amount of influence that you're having on me right now. So if donuts are going to make or break your career, then just decide that right now. Um, I might not always have donuts, but I I do see the value that you could potentially bring, and right now it's not great. Uh, I think you just have to be candid with them um, as well. So anyway, yeah, we talk about how leaders, if, you know, how do you effectively influence somebody else? And we know that as humans, as if we push somebody else, they will push back. So if we try to force our ideas on anybody, and especially if we're in a position of power, especially if you feel like somebody's got power. So I'm going to go back to that car dealership. Can the car dealership raise their price of the car that I bought because the market was such? Yes, they absolutely can. Should they have changed, should it have drastically changed how they interacted with me as a customer? No, it shouldn't. And I absolutely remember that because when the power shifts back, I am going to remember that and make a different choice of who I buy a car from in the future. So I think we have to remember that as an employee of saying, yes, they might need you. And when you interview, you maybe you cannot call them back and do all those things. But I'm trying to tell you, like, don't spike the football just because you scored a touchdown. I think when you push back too hard, against your managers and you say, no, I demand donuts and you start making demands just because you're in the power to do so probably doesn't mean you should, because that's going to impact how influential you are in the future. And it's going to set up some bad habits for you. Um, I think you should be a little bit more graceful as an employee about that and acknowledge that. And if you're in a job where you don't like the purpose of the job and you don't like the direction and you have a bad manager and you have a bad boss, be the best employee that you can be. Just absolutely hit it out of the park. Have the best possible attitude about it as long as you can. And then when it's not going to change, then change jobs. And you can do that in this market. That's the best part about this market. Go find something else. Have the right conversations. Do all the right things. Keep this. If you hold the high ground, even when the other side doesn't deserve it in a relationship, that sets you up for being a more effective leader long term. So... I think this is a good conversation about empowerment, about the Gen Zs, about even millennials uh, who are truly awful, truly awful generation. Uh, Wait, come on. <laughs> truly. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. People who see me talk know that I like to make the jokes about the millennials because they were so picked on. And by the way, Gen X, when we came out, like they had, we were, it was Bart Simpson on the Newsweek and it was like the lost generation, like a whole generation going to get thrown right. away. So right. this happens to every generation. This is a yeah. thing. The millennials that, aren't the young ones anymore. They're, I mean, they're darn near 40, right, Dana? I mean, they're, they're, they're creeping, creeping, they're making adult decisions now, you know? I'm an old millennial, by the way. So not all of them are as old as me, for the record. Yeah, most of them not, are. not this ancient. Right. You know, th this this kind of goes along and I'll type. I want it here, Don, and you can wrap it up if you'd like. But uh, this kind of goes along with, it, you know, we <laughs> we have a lot of fun when we go speak at conferences. We horribly stereotype the different personalities or styles or generations and things like that. Um, but the reality is everybody has a story. We heard, a, we heard a great speaker in Tennessee talk about the story that each individual has. Get to know your people and bring them all in for the ride and they will help you help build you. Uh, you know, help, they will help you build something uh, terrific at the organization, whatever organization you're, you're uh, working at right now. Get to know your people, bring them along for the ride. They want to help you succeed. Yep, agreed. Any uh, last thoughts on this topic there, Diana? No, I'm just glad. I'm glad we did it. I'm glad that... People now know that Gen Z is not lazy and they're not jerks. 
since I've heard like, they're so lazy. They're not, they're willing to do it. You just got to do it in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Every generation will work very hard for you if you give them purpose and if you balance empowerment and alignment. And even if you find your position yourself, whether you're the employee or the uh, manager or the car buyer or the car dealer, uh, whatever it is, is if you maintain that balance, regardless of where the power happens to lie, that's your best future overall. Uh, don't if we when you do have the power. If you come out with the attitude and it feels like entitlement, people are going to remember that over time. It's not going to develop good habits for yourself. But if you're the manager and you're looking at it saying, man, I don't like that my people have this much power, maybe shift your mindset a little bit and say, what if we took this out for a spin? What if people who really want to get involved in decisions, what if I do give them some opportunities to do that? Maybe they could give some good input. Maybe they would, maybe I give them some freedom within a framework of, of making some decisions. That's how people work the best. We probably should be doing that anyway. So be grateful that they want that. Uh, and, and maybe even that they're demanding it. So that's it. That's empowerment versus entitlement. We're pro empowerment, but check your entitlement at the door. Be careful. Make sure that alignment's still there. And speaking of alignment, why don't you align with us on our next episode here and check us out or let us know if you got new episode ideas for us. Uh, please send those out. So we'll talk soon. Thanks for coming to our podcast. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.